Hey guys. Welcome to Reality Bites, a podcast about sex, love, relationships, and dating in the digital age. I'm your host, Courtney Kosak. And I'm Steve Hernandez. Steve, say the host. Say that you're the host. Oh, I'm, I guess I'm a co-host. Uh, yeah, I mean, co- you're the host. I'm the co-host. But you guys, I, not... could, I could come and go. Obviously, I've... We've already made... talked about this. Yeah, if I get a terminal I've... illness... <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't keep calling Mike. I mean, maybe to watch a game, you know, but I wouldn't keep the Reality Bites thing. Although I've been... I'd always been looking for a podcast to talk about this stuff. Because this is the stuff. Dating, sex, relationship, gender... Queer shit is the stuff that's closest to my heart. So I'm glad I'm glad your life fell apart before us to enable me to swish right in. <laughs> oh there's, my god! There's a god, and I believe Reality in predestination. Reality bites the dust. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. I was able to just swish right in and get all these listeners already. So, um, to- so I want to talk about. I have a thing. You want to tell on yourself? That's what I want to tell do. on myself because you were a jerk. I was a jerk, and I think it's important to self-acknowledge that right, kind of shit. It. So I don't want to get too specific. That is what you say right before you're about to talk shit. (laughs) Um, I was petty about a friend thing. Um, A friend did a really sweet thing for another friend, but it was just my birthday. (laughs) And nothing was done for you. I mean, like a text. (laughs) I mean, I don't. Oh, you didn't even get a text? Oh, you got a text. I got a text. But I'm just saying, no, I know. Like, I'm a fucking, I'm a 30-something-year-old woman. I'm yeah. fine. I, but I'm just saying it was my best friend. Are you a, um, do you like, and we'll get to that, but do you, the only person you expect a present from is Wade? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't even, I'm, I don't like giving presents. It makes me very uncomfortable. Uh, but I don't mind doing things like events and stuff. So I wouldn't be mad if Wade didn't give me a present, but he was like, hey, we're going to go, even if it wasn't taking me away for the weekend, even if it was like, hey, tonight we're going to go to this like cool concert or like yeah, yeah. we're going to do this thing. And it's specifically because we want I want to celebrate you today or whatever. Um, what did he get you then if he got you something? I know you guys went to Palm Springs. We went to Palm Springs. Um Partially because he just loves to go to Palm Springs. I mean, we both do. That's like kind of our little like fun, just like day trip. Like we can go for one night. Um, That's not a day trip. Overnight trip. (laughs) Um, But he didn't for my our anniversary, which happened in August, and my birthday. He got me a leather jacket. Whoa! I mean, leather or leather. Um, I'm a vegetarian, so this is terrible, oh, but okay. it's straight up leather. <laughs> Are you a vegetarian, um, for animal sake? Uh, yeah. Like I don't, and lately I've been like a few times, like I'll eat fish, um, just cause my body started really like craving it to a point where I was like, I think it's probably not healthy that I just never give into this craving. Cause maybe like nutritionally my body's trying to tell me something. Um, but I don't like, I still don't like to like eat a bunch of fish and like, I certainly don't like to eat, uh, anything that seems more like, uh, closer to me on the food chain than that. So no monkey. Certainly no monkey. (laughs) Not even like birds. All right. So you got your nice leather. Have I seen you out in it yet? Um, I'm not sure, but I've been rocking it recently. It's really cute. It's so... My ex-boyfriend also got me 
a leather jacket. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then uh, a best friend got me a leather jacket, and this is the best one. Oh, good. I do have a thing with it, though. Isn't that weird? <laughs> you like leather jackets. I do. And I think they're like, he was like, because I got rid of my last one, and he was like, oh, I haven't seen you like wearing that. It, it was like, so it fits in with your personality so much. Like, I like to see it. So Now, did he pick it out? Um, he had the idea. This is not my story that I meant to talk about. I know. I just <laughs> want to know. He... He had the idea and he was like, hey, I want to get you this. And then um, he'd been already like looking at some stuff online. And so um, we went to the store together and tried it on. Okay. That's nice. My ex-wife would, um, for Christmas and her birthday, because we just were so bad at giving each other gifts. Like so terrible. Like it was sad because we loved each other. And I even made a tweet like maybe last year or two years ago. Like, uh, like it was a kind of a sad tweet, something like... It was just really sad when you love someone and you just keep giving them the wrong presents. But like something alluding to, you know, that's a very sad thing, but we loved each other. And then she tweeted back at me. Uh, she, and we do tweet each other. She's very funny. And she was like, speak for yourself. And I was like, and on the Twitter, I was like, do I have to bring up the wood watch you bought me for Christmas that year? The fucking wood watch, okay? And you know she didn't fave that one. That's so <laughs> but yeah, funny. She used to just give me like 10 things. I was like, send me an email with 10 things you want, and I'll pick two or three things. And that way, you'll be surprised, but also I'll get you the right thing. So That is so funny. There are some people, Sophia. Sophia, I love the shit out of her, and she can, she will say this herself. She's like, I never know what to get you. She's yeah. like, I I feel like I'm getting closer, but it's still always like not quite the right thing. It's just so funny. Well, we're, you know, we're adults and we have money so we can buy what we want for ourselves. Yeah. You know, I, I mean. I prefer it that way. Yeah, we're very, yeah, I should say we're very lucky and we have enough money to like buy little things and stuff. I, You know, I used to give books for a while, but now I'm just like, I don't want to be giving people homework or feeling guilty if they don't read books. I'll ask them. But also like... Oh, I love giving books. That's one of my favorite things. But this is like... I think the best gift with friends, like uh, in a totally platonic uh, realm, is just experiences that you can have together. Or like, go, hey, we're going to go out to drinks or dinner or, you know, whatever. Yeah, you know, that's, that's great. I haven't... I don't think about doing that for my guy friends but that sounds like fun for guy friends right because girl i'm sure women do it like let's it, just go get have a couple glasses of wine or oh, you yeah know, that whatever. sounds cool like hey bro let's get drinks on me just me and my boy like i never thought about doing that <laughs> uh, i will and I, I do i've seen guys reaching out because of the hashtag me too thing and to make a uh, masculine toxic masculinity less of a thing there are guys reaching out trying to be friends with men authentically and i love that shit man yeah. i just don't think to do it because even some of my closest guy friends don't like to talk about their feelings that much. And I love talking about emotions and feelings and things like that. But there's guys out there. so Or even guys, like my best friend Scott, even him, he'll start talking about his feelings after a few drinks. So I could just be like for his birthday, let's go get fucking, let's go get drunk at a nice place. Take an Uber there, take an Uber back. We'll do that, and also, that'll be fun. we're going to talk about your feelings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he talks about his feelings when he's drunk. That's what I'm saying. But, You're yeah, like... but, a, but a lot of these fucking guys, you know, that's why I like podcasting, and this podcast in particular, where it's like, let's just get into the meat of this shit right away. I yeah. love that. So, okay. So, the end of my petty story is that I was being a little bit passive-aggressive 
on the way to this thing, this really nice thing that my friend was doing for another friend. And just like I made, it wasn't even, it's just like Wade knows me. So he clocked it on like two comments, right? And he was like immediately just like, hey, why are you being petty about this? And I was like, did he just say the P word to me? (laughs) Are you generally a petty person? Uh, you know what? I don't think so. I really have to feel like in this case, I just felt like not that important. Right. Cause I just felt like it's, and it's not like I wanted like a fucking, you know, pony show for my birthday. I just like was sad cause his friend was out of town and I, you know, well, and I know, I know we don't have to talk. I know you don't want to talk about it, but I, this has been a rough year for friendships for you. Oh You've yeah. lost a couple of like really good friends. Oh my God. Like so that's probably closest. made you sensitive. That's total. And I could, I could say it around my birthday. I was just like, Hey, this is because, you know, someone is not in my life that used to be. And like, you know, I, I associate my last several birthdays with that person and like, you know, and Wade and I had the best time and it wasn't even about him. That's, I didn't lose a romantic person. You know what I mean? So it was just really sensitive, you know, with another close friend. And it wasn't about her or this other friend. It was just about me feeling like I'm important or whatever. It was my own shit. But Wade what, like diffused my bomb right away by just being like, hey, uh, yes, I also see that you're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> why, are, why are you doing this? And then he was just, I don't know. It was just like having it firmly but nicely brought to my attention just that like hey I see I see this and not even like a judgment on it or like I don't know he wasn't like and it's great he was like and it's not not great but you know I don't know well I think I think well first of all that's what a wonderful partner has that's what's great about having a partner but I think why he was able to call it out without like a big deal is because you're probably not a petty person and you're you're not normally passive aggressive so when you were being petty and passive aggressive he was able to be like Hey, what are you doing? Like, don't yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, it, so it's not like he was afraid you were going to take it personally. And you did it, right? No, and I was glad that he wasn't just like, he didn't just like let me be a shitbag. <laughs> well, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> which is really nice. No, don't you appreciate that in your like friendships and r- relationship when someone just like taps you on the shoulder and they're like, hey, maybe stop. Maybe just stop this thing. <laughs> well, I mean, it's one of the great things about having a partner, especially like with Julia. I mean, we I run everything by her. The only thing I, I worry about, although I think she's very wise, so I shouldn't say that, but um, I could think of a, we were having trouble with a close friend who was passive aggressive, uh, but this was a very close friend and this person wasn't going to go anywhere. So we started like um, working with them in a project and also the way this person is, we love this person dearly, but they were very passive aggressive sometimes. So much to the point where, I mean, I looked up online, like, how do I deal with them? I mean, I Googled, oh my God. how do I deal with a passive aggressive person? And, um, and I did that. I usually don't like, I'm very um, picky, maybe to a fault, but I just don't think so. I'm very picky about who I allow into my life mm-hmm. and who Same. I who I allow into my inner circle and who I, the most, if I'm working with you on a project, it's the greatest compliment I could give you. It means I, you. I think you're, not you specifically, <laughs> I was talking about Mike. Uh, <laughs> no, but I mean, I think that you are like a, 
worthy, interesting person to build something with. And I think you have integrity and character. I mean, it, it means the most. I don't do anything. Also, I'm old enough to have done things like that before and realize it's a huge mistake. And you don't have like endless time and resources. Especially now. Yeah. You know, I have literally, I have four podcasts now. The fourth <laughs> one started on accident. <laughs> it's a chatterbox one and they wanted it. And I'm like, I still got to show up. And then, you know, I'm good at them. So, but uh, I literally have four podcasts now. But uh, yeah, um, but but she was also she I said, I don't know what to do about this person because we love them dearly and they're not going to go anywhere. And she helped me look up articles and she helped me come from a place like, well, people are passive aggressive because they haven't been heard in their life. And, you know, really coming from it at it from a place of love and Mm -hmm. it really just doing that, I didn't have a t- have to have a talk with this person, which would have been bad, which I don't mind confrontation. Mm-hmm. But I also, I'm not a person that gets mad at people. I just want the thing fixed. Mm-hmm. That's how I always am. So just, I think, I don't know if it changed everything, but from whatever point in my heart, I chose to view this person with love and to, yes. to go at it from like a, 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 not like a defensive point, but like maybe this person did not feel loved in the past. So I want them to feel loved and that I'm not going to leave them and it's fine however they act. And after we chose to do that, I mean, that was, I don't know, eight months ago, something like that. Everything's been great. So you're just friends with that person? You don't have another thing with them? Oh, no, I, I, I have a thing with them. Luckily, I got there's like 12 people this could be. I know. Uh, but I mean that just uh, working with them just changed. It flipped. And it might have ah. been it might have been because, like I said, they felt that. I wasn't going to go anywhere, that they could be their worst versions of themselves. And uh, and truly, the way I, I love this person, I wasn't going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Most people, if they were like that and I start working with them, I'd be like, ah, fuck them. But this person is like, oh, you're going to be in my life forever. So I got to learn to fucking deal with it. And like I said, because of Julia, she helped me to see that in, in a, a bigger way um, and in a way that was proactive for me. Uh, it, it changed the whole situation. So, yeah, it's great to have a partner that can point out those things for you yeah it's awesome so over the weekend you also went to dan gill's wedding oh what a treat dan gill and wendy got married and it was the sweetest nicest thing and when i got there too there was only like 10 comics and i was really yeah i felt very and it reminded me that dan is very uh midwestern in iowa and you don't know how these fucking guys feel about you because they don't talk about their feelings at all like i'm telling you like a dave van heisen a dan gill they don't talk but it was like 10 comics and like 130 other white people from Iowa. And Wendy's family um, is from Manhattan Beach. And I, at the end of the night. So, I mean, it was so nice. They had an open bar, all that stuff. They had a barbecue from Bledsoe's. They had uh, the Gorilla Taco Truck there. They, there was a second meal they had later on just with like uh, Frito pie stuff. They brought out fixins <laughs> like at 10 p.m. And it was funny because they had an ice cream truck that came later. So they just kept feeding us around 10 to after we're stuffed with barbecue and everything. I, I went to Dan when I saw them bringing out Frito pie stuff that you can make like nachos. And I was like, Dan, oh man, I'm starving. Is there anything? He's like, did they bring out the second meal? I was like, dude, I'm kidding. You guys, it's too much. But we shut down that place, the Masonic Lodge in Los Feliz at like 11. And then we all walked over, including Wendy's folks, to the study, which is next to, uh, what is it? 
over on Hillhurst? It's on, it's or on, on Vermont. It's on Vermont. Yeah, the study. We we tried. They tried to say we were going to go to the loud place, but we all just went to the study. And I just at the end of the night, I was talking about uh, sexual har- uh, har- uh, harassment stuff and gender stuff with. Drew Kashgarian and me and Julia for like 45 minutes. Oh, cool. And then I moved over and I was just talking to Wendy's parents for like 45 minutes, the bride's parents, asking about how they met and everything. And yeah, till two in the morning and then we all just went home. But it was completely lovely. And uh, yeah, if you guys didn't hear the Dan Gill episode, go back. Uh, I think it's two or three ago, but listen to the Dan Gill episode. And take note of how he was like, I don't want to get married because I don't want to feed all these fucking people. <laughs> no, he said he did want to feed them. No, I mean, he came around to that, but initially his whole thing was yeah. like, yeah, you just have to fucking feed people. It doesn't seem like a good deal, but it sounds like it, <laughs> it was a great deal. It was so fun. And the dancing, there was tons of little kids, little kids dancing. And there was like eight 33-year-old women that Wendy probably went to college with or something, uh-huh. 30-year-old women that were on the dance floor the whole night and like doing act outs and just everybody was having a blast. And Eric DeDorian was there. Uh, it was so fun. Dan, what a wedding. Go listen to the Dan Gill episode because it really was, to me, it was proof of what warm, kind, caring, funny people they were because everybody was that way. It was a dream wedding. So, Oh, yeah. I wish them the very best. Yes. So we have a, an awesome guest for this episode. Um, God, I was so excited that we could get her on. Uh, well, I had never met her and she's, uh, you know, she's a a really, really talented comedian. So to me, to be able to have this kind of conversation with her was amazing. I actually, we got her on uh, because of one of those ladies. It's so funny in her, it's Sarah Schaefer. (laughs) (laughs) Cats out of the bag now. Uh, She recently did a series for Seriously TV uh, that was called Online Woman. And one of them is about uh, these like, Facebook groups, closed Facebook groups or secret Facebook groups that are like for women in comedy or women in whatever the fuck your interest is, you know? And uh, one of the beautiful things about these groups is that you can like share, you know, share information and whatever. And I just posted on there. I was like, I want to get a hold of her. And then she popped up in the group and she was like, Actually, I'm right here. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I loved our conversation with Oh, her. yeah, we, we talked about um, online stalkers. We talked about divorce. We talked about hashtag me too. Uh, this was a f- great fucking conversation. Yeah, enjoy. Hey, guys, looking for more ways to treat your sweet pup? Try BarkBox, a monthly delivery of the best paw-picked, all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chew preferences. Every BarkBox ships free within the continental U.S. And it's a great way to try a variety of USA, Canada-made treats and unique toys from local and small businesses that you may otherwise have never been able to find. Plus, each box is centered around a different theme. Like, check it out, Steve. Country Fair, Bark Ball, Poo York City, or Brooklyn Hipster. I'm actually from Poo York City. I don't know if you knew that. (laughs) And when your dog falls in love with something from the box, you can easily find it again on BarkShop.com, the BarkBox app, or by texting BarkBox. But if for some reason your dog doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox will send you something they will love for free. Because they are all about that dog's happiness, okay? And that's legit, you guys. My dog, Georgia, got a BarkBox, and she loved everything inside, including the stuffed animal she'd chew the head off of. 
Visit BarkBox.com slash reality for a free extra month of BarkBox when you subscribe to a 6 or 12 month plan. That's BarkBox.com slash reality for a free extra month when you subscribe to a 6 or 12 month plan. God damn. Okay, let's jump right in. Okay. We are here with Sarah Schaefer. Hi. Super excited to have you on. Thanks for having me. That's the first time you haven't done the sexy voice right up top. I like it. What do you mean? She usually goes, hi. hi. I couldn't <laughs> yeah, no, sit here, have a conversation with Sarah, I'm glad. and then jump in with my sexy voice. Yeah, it was a nice, normal voice. It was nice. <laughs> Sarah Schaefer's here. Hey. Yeah. Uh, Thanks. Thanks for having me. She's you know, amazing stand-up comic. She's written on so many shows. She's had her own shows. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. I'm kind of amazing. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a super relevant recent project that you did is that Woman Online yeah. series. I love that. Yeah, I did a series for this now defunct company. It was a short-lived company. Are they done? Seriously.tv, yeah. A lot oh. of digital platforms come and go in the, in, <laughs> in the age of content. You can't get too attached. Um, and... Uh, it was a series, uh, it was a short little web series where I just did different episodes about what it's like to be a woman on the internet. And each episode kind of confronted a different element uh, of it. So you, in one episode, mm -hmm. sort of had a confrontation with your troll? Yeah, I, I um, just did a two camera, like, just told the story of this one troll. Like, you know, if you're some, if you're a woman online, if you're a person online, you've been trolled at some point. Yeah. Um, and it comes in all different kinds of forms. Um, but there was one guy who he's dormant right now. He goes through like active periods, like a, like a cicada or something. Um, but he, uh, would just harass me and it would be really specific stuff about my mom and she's dead and he knew that. And you know, I'm not, it's all from, he's using information from my social media. I can tell it's not somebody that knows me personally. Um, I've had that too. Ugh. I've had somebody from my real life stalk me online, like, and harass me online. And I under could tell from own, the, under their no, own, no, under a fake, it, the, they created an account called fuck you, Sarah. And it was like really specific stuff about my life that I was like, this is someone from my real life. I can tell. And, uh, and you, you did, did you ever find out who yes. it was? You found yes. out? Did My boyfriend and I went absolute berserk trying to figure out who it was. Because at first I'm like, who could this possibly be? And, you know, we're like, who who would be mad at you? And, and this isn't um, to say no one's ever been mad at me. I don't have any enemies. I don't have people that don't like me. You know, everyone has that, whether sure. you think you do or not. Um, but... No one fit the, like, I didn't have a beef with anyone at that time. Uh -huh. And it just, none of it fit. And, um, you know, the theories at first were just immediately eliminated. Like, oh, it couldn't be that person. It's definitely not my ex. You know, like, we just knew. And then it, it just threw, it was somebody who, so uh, Nikki Glazer and I used to have a podcast called You Had to Be There. And, uh -huh. Part of the vibe of the podcast was it was in my apartment and we had an audience in the apartment. And that was yeah. kind of that's like, what I, yeah. I, that's why I first yeah. remember and, you from. I remember listening yeah. to it. And, uh, they had an audience there. They we had, had friends there. Yeah. yeah. And um, it was so fun. And like eventually our friends were tired of coming. So 
we <laughs> opened it up to people who lived in New York that were fans of the podcast. And we were like, we're going to vet you. We're going to make sure you're not crazy. So we would just sort of have an email conversation with the person uh-huh. just to kind of see if there were any red flags. But how many people were in the, the apartment at one um, time? Any, some weeks it would be two or three people. And other weeks it would be 25 people packed into my tiny living room like the size of this area that we're sitting in right now and it was was awesome and it made i think it made the podcast really good because we were just responding to that energy in the room as if it was a live performance and so it heightened Uh like our our performance and whatever um but anyway we there was a guy that we that was part of the studio audience on the list there was a list that we had that would go out like we're recording on this night if you want to come please please rsvp and he would come every time, and um, there were just a few things he started doing that we found to be a little uncomfortable or creepy. Like, you know, he was a perfectly nice person, but just had that kind of borderline creepy vibe, would try to ride the train with Nikki afterwards, would kind of ask her out in, mm-hmm. a, in vague, weird ways. Um, he would be... He just, he wore a shirt one time that made us both really uncomfortable. It was like some sexual thing on a shirt. And we were just like, and he would just like make comments, you know? Um, Was he socially awkward other than that? Socially awkward. um, And we as a group, me, Nikki, and my boyfriend, Scott, who lived there with me. And like, it was sort of, he was always part of it. So we decided that we would, we didn't want him to come anymore. And we just decided to not invite him, like to take him off the mailing mailing list, because we could tell he was the type of person that wouldn't handle it well. Oof. Um, and I just removed him. I didn't, you know, we didn't say anything to him. We also felt bad. We were like, we we yeah. know we knew he loved us, so we just didn't say anything. And you know, maybe that was the cowardly thing to do, to not just send him an email and be like, hey, we're changing it up. You're not on the list anymore. I don't know. Uh, he, I didn't know, but uh, again, I always, you always, whenever a girl tells a story like this, you're making excuses for the guy. Making God, we just <laughs> talked about that on start the show. making excuses. I didn't owe him anything. It was a privilege for him to be in my home. Mm-hmm. And, okay, now, were, um, um, were you receiving messages during okay, this time already? No. Okay, so I, I've already, you can tell it's him that it later was harassing me. Fuck you, Sarah. So, um, you know, I thought, what if it's that guy? Um, what if he's like mad that he got? Because there was some things to the tweets that felt relevant to podcast topics, <laughs> like you know, <laughs> like what? Like he would just say things that were like, "Nikki's gonna explode, and you're gonna implode," and I mean, just like, and also really personal stuff about like, oh, you've gained weight, you know, at oh. least you have tits now, like, you know, and like just stuff that I was like, oh, this is an you used to be a friend. Now you're not, you know, it was just stuff that was like, you could kind of put it together. Like this is someone who knows me and it felt related to Nikki. You know, he, he would bring Nikki into it sometimes. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, this is, then that made me think of the podcast. Uh-huh. So, um, it worked out timing wise that it started cause Nikki and I often would record multiple episodes and then space them out. And yeah. And, I was like, it works out on the math of when he would have realized that he had been uninvited, where Mm -hmm. like an episode would have come out that he hadn't been invited because he came to all of them. Mm -hmm. And he would realize I wasn't there. 
oh, I wasn't on the email. And then like maybe a couple of weeks later, I'm, I've been uninvited, you know? So instead of asking me, like a he normal never reached per- out, never reached out and said, Hey, this, that's what I would have done. Yeah. I'm like, Hey, I've done that. Nikki had a premiere party for a TV show and I didn't get an invite. And I was like, is she not invite me? And I was like, stop it. Uh-huh. Just ask. Uh-huh. And I, I was like, I know this is so weird, but am I invited to your premiere party? Like, I really want to come. <laughs> and she was like, Oh my God, you absolutely are invited. Like there's a, re- and then it became this whole nightmare just trying to get the email to go to my inbox. Like there was something technically wrong and that's oh, okay. why I didn't get invited. Oh, that's so sad. And you have to ask for a good friend. I know you're like, I really wanted to come. Can I come? <laughs> no, but you should. That's the best way. Instead of just being I mean, like, just she's like, mad at me and holding so like, a grudge. I know. And I'm like, but you'd also don't want to be presumptuous. So I was like, I'm sure it was a mistake, but like, just let me know you know, either way, uh-huh. you know, and like, let it kind of be open, you know, cause you never know, like, what if somebody's mad at you or right, something right. and maybe that's a way to have that conversation. So, um, he didn't do that. And then these email, these, this Twitter account started and it was pretty, and then it started with like, where Scott and I were like analyzing it. Like once we thought it might've been him, we were like looking at his real account, like his real Twitter account. Uh-huh. And this was back when, and I don't know if Twitter still does this, but it would say like sent from my iPhone. Oh yeah. What well, said sent from my BlackBerry. And like, this was when not many people still had Blackberries. <laughs> so it said sent from my BlackBerry. And then his real account would say sent from my BlackBerry. And it was like around the same times that he would be. And then he would like tweet from his real account at Scott and at Nikki and like, you know, as a fan, like he'd like, you but know, not you, but not me. And like, it just was Why becoming, I think it was just you who uninvited Okay. Him. So that's the thing. So I'm like, Oh, because I was the one with the list. And so he thought I had done this. I'm sure he thought I am the one that did this to him and, and took it out on me. I mean, just like a total psycho. And so, then we start looking at his Facebook and his Facebook has these weird, like Scott loves, like he plays a lot of call of duty and like, <laughs> um, and far cry and stuff. So he's like looking up security camera. Cause this guy knows where we live. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like, what if he like wants to kill me? And he's like totally insane. Oh, um, what God. if he shows up with a gun, you know? And like, so Scott like is getting this, um, he's looking up like surveillance cameras, motion detector surveillance cameras for like wildlife and like setting it up on our life. I mean, it was just so insane. And then, um, finally it's a long, it's too long of a story, but we basically, um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the long version we're doing a podcast, but I, you can't just okay, jump so- like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is, we're in now. So I'm also at this point, this is at its height is when I'm with my family on vacation. Um, and so now my whole family is involved and everybody's sitting around at the beach house, like that we rented, like, of course, like, you feel, of course you feel terrified or, but are you also, is this like you're sleuthing also? No. It's so it becomes a family activity. Yeah, like yeah, we're yeah. sleuthing this guy. We're going to figure it out. Everybody's obsessed with it. Everybody's trying to figure out what to do and all this stuff. And I'm getting more and more anxious where I'm like, what if it's not him? Cause they were like, we need to confront him. And I'm like, but what if it's not him? And we've like falsely accused someone. Like I'm feeling just overwhelmed. And finally I was just like, just stop it. Everybody stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I can't deal with this, you know, cause I'm someone who lays awake at night 
wondering, did I do a bad thing? Did I? Oh my God. Yes. It's like, I'm literally trying to sell a book on this topic. So anyway, (laughs) um, so he, uh, so Scott and my brother come up with this strategy to scare him, which is to where Scott, um, like follows and unfollows him over and over again on Twitter. Uh, the, and then also the fuck you, Sarah account, like simultaneously just to be like, we know, we know it's you. Yeah. Yeah. And then I don't think that did anything. So finally, like, and we're talking to Nikki about it. And we're all just like, oh my God, what are we going to do? And so we decided that unfortunately this was, we like did research about cyber stalking and like, um, according to what like people advise that if it's someone from your real life who is, and then it's, you know, if, He's not like an ex-boyfriend who was abusing sure, me or something. Sure. That's a different situation. Sure. There's someone from your life who is angry with you for some reason, and they've now taken up anonymously harassing you, mm-hmm. they're too afraid to confront you in real life. And so if you confront them, it oftentimes stops it because now they've been their worst fear has come true and they are they've been acknowledged. They've been acknowledged and they're humiliated. Uh, uh, someone who's physically stalking you probably wants a confrontation. Like that's something a little different. Mm-hmm. Cyber stalking, this is what according to what we read on the internet. <laughs> um and so what we did was uh we decided to confront him and I was like I also think he's the type of person that would be afraid of Scott. And unfortunately I was like, a man needs to step in for like, I really was Uh, like a man needs to step in. And so Scott wrote this guy an email that was like, we know it's you. If you ever contact tweet or do anything towards me, Nikki or Sarah ever again. And he included Nikki. He goes, you know, any of us ever again, you are, we've, he's scared of him. He was like, we're already in contact with the authorities, even though we weren't. (laughs) I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. Jesus Christ. He's a real podcast nerd. Um, Then he's going to listen to this fucking podcast. Oh yeah. Whatever. Fuck you, dude. Like I don't owe you shit. Like you were creepy and you, and you knew it and you knew you were creepy and, but he was this type of person who would, oh, okay. So he, uh, so he sends this email, this very like kind of intimidating email, and it's just like, don't ever contact her again, and all this stuff. Don't go to he said, do not go to their shows, do not show up, you uh-huh. know, any of this. So uh he never responded and it all stopped. <gasps> oh. So in my mind, he's guilty. Yeah. Because someone who wasn't guilty would have been like, What the fuck are you talking about? This Seriously. wasn't me, you know, prove it. Like, that's what I would do. If someone sent me an email, I'd be like, you are, I am not even thinking about you. Like, whatever. Like, Or even if they didn't respond, like, it wouldn't just stop. Mm, no, right? you, no, you would respond. If someone, you would, if you someone, would totally <laughs> respond. You but would I'm respond, just saying, but also the real person would have kept harassing sure. me. So it all, you know, it was him. And, you know, it, it, it's the type of thing, um, I can't remember if he said this at some, I might be missing a step. I, I don't really remember, but I remember him, him kind of acting like at one point he had an attitude. This might've been right before we, we uninvited him. He had this attitude of I'm offering to bring chairs. Oh, he would get kind of an attitude with me over email. He'd go, uh, he'd always be RSVP. Yes, I'm, I'm coming. And then he'd be like, do you want me? Oh, there was one where it was like, we had someone kind of famous, 
coming mm-hmm. and we were like, it's going to be really limited space. Get back to us right away. And he would write something like, I have extra chairs. Do you want me to bring them? And I didn't respond. And then it was like a follow-up email, like, are you going to respond? Do you need me to bring chairs or not? Like, there was this, like, I'm... I'm busy, bitch. <laughs> like, he felt I owed him something. You know, there's that fan personality type that feels, I'm your fan. I'm always showing up for you. Now you owe me something more than just the content I like. Uh-huh. You know, which I'm like... Dude, you're coming inside my apartment and being in the studio audience. You're getting the VIP treatment. Nothing beyond that. You get nothing. And it goes away at any time. So after that, Nikki and I learned a lesson. <laughs> we never we never had strangers come again. It always had to be you had to know someone uh-huh. on the list already. That was the only way in was that, you know, if you wanted to come to the podcast, you had to already be a personal acquaintance or friend of someone who was already in. So it was. Well, yeah, I'm sorry you went through that, but that's as happy ending as you could ask for. I know, it stopped, you know. But anyway, uh, sorry, that was a total aside from what we were originally talking about. But yeah. And that's not, that's just the one that you That's just the one. The the other one. But this is not the mom person? No, the mom person is, I think, just a stranger, like a weird dude that hates. He actually harasses a lot of other comedians, but he kind of focuses on certain people for a while, and I was one of his people. How do you uh, get that hobby? I don't, I don't or, understand. There's something wrong in your the, life. Uh, well, have you seen the new... Uh, it just came out. Everyone's going crazy for it. It's called Mindhunter, I yes, think. Yes, I've been watching it. Did you it. see it? I yeah. just saw the first episode What's last it about? night. Uh, it's like the 70s FBI, the, like the, the, the main guys from the FBI, and they're showing how they started to use psychology and catching criminals. Oh, but yeah. just from the first episode... Yeah, it's like, how they, it's like when they first started using the, the concept of serial killer. Yeah. Like, the profile? Like, yeah, like profiling and like, yeah. Because, so, yeah, in the show yeah. they talk about, it used to be you just have motives. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to get rich or a lover spat or, um, and, and then they all, or you're just born evil. And then they would start talking about, well, people aren't born evil. They might be doing these things for a reason, that kind of thing. It's pretty interesting. Everyone's going crazy for it. I only saw one episode. But he does bring up that criminals react to the way, the things that are wrong in society. So I think a lot of these people are coming out, I think because of the internet and these kind Mm -hmm. of things, is we are just becoming more and more isolated. So Uh these guys are just alone. Feeling really powerless. Powerless, alone. And going and and taunting someone makes you feel power over the person, even just for a tiny second. And it's like a, a... like a a little dose of like pleasure, especially That's if it's like it, yeah. a quote unquote famous person or something yeah. like that that you could you know you have an effect on their life. Yeah, and that's I can why Twitter their is evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Anyway, trolls. <laughs> I just remembered because you did say we all have like trolls or people that hate us or anything. Mm. Mike, have you ever had anything like that? I'm talking to our producer Mike right now. I had one time, and I yeah. totally forgot about it till you said that. Yeah. But there was a weird kind of crazy guy. He was this little buff uh, Hawaiian guy. <laughs> oh when I was like, God. this is like from 15 years ago when yeah. I used to work at the TGI Fridays in West Covina. <laughs> and my my brother, uh, he was real nice to me. Like he gave me a, he heard me talking about Grease 2 at some point. So he gave me a copy of the Grease 2 soundtrack. Real nice guy. Just like kind of hanging out in the peripherals. And um, my brother was dating a woman. And then this guy started dating her after they broke up. And just because of that connection... He started sending me private messages, just like "fuck you, you're fucking wannabe com- comic, you fat fuck." Jesus. I figured out was yeah. I figured out we figured. Out, I was like, I don't know why I would, because I didn't do anything wrong to the guy, uh-huh. but just because my brother dated his current girlfriend, 
And uh, even at the gym, he confronted me. And I, oh I had to be, God. yeah, I had to be like, dude, do you want me to go tell someone right now? Like, what is going on right now? I mean, it's nothing compared to what women face every day. What but no, but it's just some people decide just, that you're the enemy. It's just blame. The, well, yeah, like they chose yeah. you, right? He chose yeah. you. Yeah, it, blame the one who's, something is wrong in my life and I need someone to blame. Yeah. And to take out everything onto. And it's just, it's just so sad because it's like. You want them, you know, my, I'm, I'm always someone who my first reaction with interpersonal relationship is to first try to empathize with them. It's just Mm -hmm. not, I'm not, it doesn't make me better or better person. It's just how I am. And it's actually to a point where it's like a problem because I won't stand up for myself. You don't have any boundaries. I'm too busy thinking about what that other person is feeling. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I mean, my boyfriend, I love him so much because he really, is one is the first person I've ever been with that truly challenges that in a healthy way. Like he'll be like, "Stop it! This person is not your friend." Like especially with friend stuff, I have a lot of like friend stress. You know, oh, like, girl. "Oh, is that girl mad?" <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. I've been working on stand up about like uh, girl friendships and how like just nasty they can get, and just so like it, it's just like a a like a gauntlet like torture maze of trying to figure out yes. how to deal with your friends. But, so um, good, but so complicated. Yeah. So like, you'd just be like, you're, you're upset. It's her fault. <laughs> She's a bad person, you know? And I'm like, no, we don't want to set up dichotomies where people are like all good or bad. Cause that's like my thing. And like, it just, it's just oh, impossible. And like, He's like, she's a bad friend. She's maybe not a bad person, but she's not a good friend to you. You have right. other friends. And then I'm like, but I don't have other friends. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> I just go into this downward spiral. And like, he he's learned how to like, because you know, he used to get mad at me, which uh-huh. wouldn't, it wouldn't help. It would make me feel like he didn't, that he was just angry and trying to stop me and shut me up. Uh-huh. When in reality, he just wanted me to feel better. You know, sometimes you react with anger when people, like, uh-huh. my dad used to do that growing up. Like, if you hurt yourself, he'd get mad. I was like, well, that's not the, he'd be like, oh, you, you fell down. Oh. <laughs> Watch where you're going. You know, he'd get mad, but what he just felt, you know, he didn't want you to be hurt. Like, and helpless and didn't want ra- you. Yeah. Rage is the, yeah. And, but Scott has learned how to turn that into like, I'm your champion and I'm fighting for you and I'm giving you a pep talk instead of like, I'm angry at you. Oh, no, we learned I, that that didn't work. <laughs> I would, uh, yeah, with my ex-wife, I would, I would righteously yell a lot about these things, and mm. I thought that was the only way to get through. Now, I mean, I, I yell less and less all the time, but I remember that. Oh, by the way, it's my uh, wedding anniversary, so uh, happy wedding anniversary, McStuffers, oh, if you're listening. Oh, it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's my ex, but oh. <laughs> wait, why oh, my are you? God, you know what? This? I think mine was. Mine was recent. Really, I've actually forgotten what my not me. <laughs> I think it's like in the past week. Uh, mine, was like four, mine was four years ago, so <laughs> it's still on my phone. Like uh, from the yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. from just the thing. It just like pops up. Oh, mine up was pre-cell phone. How, pre-smartphone. How, pre- how long ago? Well, I didn't get a cell phone until other people, like way later than other people. But um, I did too. I think it was like 2005 um, or something like that. I, I got married one. in 2005. Were you doing stand-up got, then? Yeah, I was a comedian. Um, and I... I got divorced in 2000 it was finalized in 2009 but we broke up at the end of 2008 so it's just like three years or so and how long had you yeah. dated, dated 10 years oh wow. I, I was 19 when i met him 
Oh, okay. And we were, yeah, he was like, had you been in love? Friend. You were, he was the only guy you'd ever been in love with. Yeah. Okay. And so, because that, I didn't really know how to break up with someone. <laughs> <laughs> it might have been a messy, <laughs> sort of stumbling through that process. But um, I have learned to forgive myself and him yeah. for like the fucking disaster <laughs> that I've created. He created it too. That's the that's part of the thing. Is like when one person is ready to break up, even though the writing's on the wall there's usually one person who hasn't recognized it or admitted it yet. Mm-hmm. Who was that person? I was him. the one raising my hand going, this is bad. We should break up. And he was not there yet. And we haven't spoken. So I have no idea how he feels about it now. Um, but he definitely was having a hard time accepting it at first. And uh, it made it very difficult. Oh, fuck. I'm usually that person I, ha- I haven't been married, but in my breakups, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a pretty easy partner to get along with. Like, I'm pretty good at like the whole partnership dance, but it takes me a long time at the end to be like, oh yeah, our, our whatever dynamic got fucked up or whatever. Even though I can look back in retrospect, yeah. I'm usually the person that is like, Wait, I, I feel so well, blindsided. Well, okay, I remember my, like, I kept saying when we were, you know, because we separated and then we did counseling. And so it was this, like, step-by-step process uh-huh. of breaking up. It wasn't like I just disappeared one day. It's, like, a very <laughs> drawn-out thing. And um, I kept saying, like, you know, how are you happy like this? Like, I, <laughs> do you think – and I, and I thought, if you are – Right. Well, then now I know we're just, we're so different that that's not tenable either. Like, I don't want this. Like, if if this is what you define as marriage and a happy relationship, then you need to find someone. I hope you find that person, but I have to go find something else because it's not working for me. And uh, I think he understood it, but it just, it just got, you know, I I was the villain and that's okay. Were you fighting a lot at the end, or was it the kind of thing where you uh, just like got I feel into like, like this? It was like, a slow death. Uh, it was like, and I think the problems were already there when we got married, but I wasn't able to recognize it. And you were so young. Yeah, I mean, you know, we were. I was twenty-seven when I got married, and uh, twenty-five when we got engaged. You know, like that's pretty young looking back on it, especially if you've never had any another relationship to compare it to or anything. Yeah, and um. You know, I just, it it was like sort of a drifting, 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 drifting. And to the point where I was like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have done this. <laughs> I got to get out of here. Did you feel that in your gut, like when you got engaged or when you got you married? Know, people always like ask me that. And it's an uncomfortable question because it's like, am I sick? Because if I say part of me knew, well, then why did I marry? Like what? I think I... I think the problems were there and my concerns were there, but I thought, well, those will be fixed. Uh-huh. We will fix those problems that we already have. We will fix them. So I went into it with my eyes open, fully like prepared to live with him for the rest of my life and, and for it to be wonderful. Uh-huh. But then pretty quickly after that, it started to unravel. My mom also died after we got married and like, mm. it just, that sort of brought up a lot for me of like life is short and you know my parents were married till the end and they were 
they fought a lot, a lot, but they really, really loved each other. And I was like, I didn't recognize that in my own marriage. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, I want, uh, you know, you only get one chance at life. Mm-hmm. And I do believe you can have more than one chance at love. <laughs> totally. Well, I mean, but that's a lie we were told. I mean, considering what you've said <laughs> already you before, get, you know, that, that must have been really hard for you to leave, though. I mean, oh my if, god! If, it was like one of, the hard, saying, one of the hardest things. I've ever done. As if you're that empathetic, and you're like, you're, you must have been thinking about him. The oh my god! It time, was. Right? It, I was like catatonic as a person. It. it I also like behave. Like I also made really poor choices around that time, which I don't want to get into. <laughs> you can <laughs> I guess can imagine what, that means. what the choices were. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I do that not to protect myself, but just not to air sure. our dirty laundry too much. But like, sure. but like. I made bad choices and because I just didn't know what I was doing. And um, it was like, a, I've just been actually writing about this. So it's very like present on my head, but like just about like the feeling of simultaneously feeling like the worst person on earth. But then every step I took away from him felt so good. that I was like, I must be doing the right thing because I've, I'm alive for the first time in a long time. And, but then the dual lap, like, it was a war in me for a long time. And, and then just leading up to the point where I said, I want to leave was just hell. I mean, I was in an internal hell. (laughs) I was like, the feeling of being a bad person is something I try to avoid Mm -hmm. at all costs of like, Oh, I'm bad. I'm bad. That's bad. Did you grow um, up Christian? Did you were oh, you yeah. Catholic? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. No, not Catholic. <laughs> not Catholic? Okay. Southern Baptist. I mean, uh, even worse. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And but it's also I don't think it's even it, it's already in my DNA. Yeah. So the Christianity stuff just uh, just nurtured Except, it yeah. and grew it and made it into <laughs> well, it like made you feel like home. You're like this is for oh me. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like oh it's a simple guidebook on how to be a good person. <laughs> and then of course much later down the line all of the rules that I had set up in my head on how to be happy were being proven wrong again and again and again. Like, oh, you fall in love with the one, you get one, (laughs) and then you get married, and then, you know, and all these things weren't working out. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize how ingrained some of this narrative was in me of like, if you're a good person and you're good to people, you know, and I've learned that lesson many times since too. You know, it's just part of who I my brain structure. <laughs> I've tried to be. I've been working on restructuring it <laughs> with the help of the therapist. <laughs> well, it took me like a year and a half to. It took us like a year and a half to get out of ours too because of counseling and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I knew we weren't going to work out just because I started doing comedy after I got married, mm-hmm. and my wife was very private, and it was yeah. just like. It, this is a stupid life if you don't sign up for it. And she yeah. didn't sign up for it. Yeah. But I remember that. I remember just that slow death where you would talk about... We just knew ultimately when we talked about how we wanted our lives, my dream life, how I looked when mm-hmm. I was 62 and her dream life when uh. she was 62 looked so yeah. different. That was becoming apparent too, that it, we were going in different... At first, we were very much on the same page. Like, we want this life. And then it really started to change. And yeah. it was both of us changing. Um, but... Yeah, I think. Oh, yeah, it's very sad. And then you realize yeah, that love you... is like 25% of a healthy relationship. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so you can love someone with your whole heart, but if the, these other things don't match up, it's just not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's very sad. How yeah. long after that did you meet Scott? Um, um, a year and a half. Not that put, long. Did you put any kind of restrictions? Like, I'm not going to get with a boyfriend for like a year? Oh, I, th- I was like, oh, I'm never going to have a boyfriend. I was like, <laughs> I, love is bullshit, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I wasn't totally like that, but I was just like, oh, you know, 
I'm a, I'm a free bird now. Um, so, but one of the things when, when my ex and I did marriage counseling, one of the things that people said, we like went to this married couple in Vermont. Uh, it was a retreat. It was very weird. Um, <laughs> it, it was, I th- they were good. They, they were good. Um, what did you have sex with them? Like, no, I mean, like- I thought there was a point where I was like, this is really weird. Um, it's very beautiful though. It's a very beautiful setting. To have your whole life fall apart. Um, oh my God. But like, I've never cried so much in my entire life. I mean, it was just like an excavation of like pain. Mm-hmm. But um, one thing they did say was they were like, you love each other, but if you decide to break up, because the point of the weekend was to like decide, which that even wasn't even really when we decided. I mean, I was decided mm-hmm. in my heart at that point. I was like, this is dead. Like, I am done with this. But wasn't fully ready to say it to him yet mm-hmm. i did soon after that um but they said you will fall in love again probably way sooner than you think you will and you'll be fine and i was like ding <laughs> you know it's like okay <sighs> um i don't think he was there yet but i think he f- i don't really know i mean because we don't talk at all and I don't know if that we ever will. It's really a kind of an, a loose thread in my life of like, will I ever talk to him again? Like, because. Do the, you want to though? Um, I do and I don't. Because the question is, what am I trying to get out of it? And what I'm trying to get out of it is forgiveness. But forgiveness has nothing to do with him. Yeah. And everything to do with me. Me forgiving myself. Mm-hmm. And um, which I have done for the most part. There's like still tiny threads of it, like uh-huh. still in there. But um. Um, but then there is, do I owe him anything? Do I, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't know how he feels about me, but I know when it ended, he really did not like me at all. That's probably why. You know? Cause you probably want to be like, are you still mad at me? I do. I want to be like, do you hate me? What do you say to me about, what do you say about me to people? But I, I don't want to get into like what I think he would say. Cause then it's, it's too mean. <laughs> <laughs> About my, but but I think it's just too cynical of a view on him, and I'm not giving him in my mind the opportunity to evolve. Do you past know that if he's moment. with someone else? Yes, he went. I know that he got with someone else pretty quick, uh. and so I'm kind of like, I, I oh, here's what I'm really looking for: him going. You were right. Ah. That's what I want more than anything. And so I know that to reach out to him and look for that because I've dealt with that with other things in my life where. I reached out to someone thinking I was going to get something like a, a closure or an I'm sorry. And then you realize my therapist used the phrase the, there's this old fable, the, um, the scorpion and the frog. Have you ever heard that uh-uh. fable where like a frog and a scorpion are on the edge of a river and the scorpion says to the frog, can I ride, can I get a ride on you across the river? Can I ride on your back? Um, and because the scorpion can't swim and the frog goes, well, how do I know you're not going to sting me? You're a scorpion. And he goes, well, if I sting you, we'd both sink. And then what would be the point? And the frog goes, okay, that's good logic. So the, fro- the scorpion rides on the frog and then halfway th- across the scorpion stings the frog. And the frog goes, what are you doing? And he goes, I'm a scorpion. It's what I do. Ah, <laughs> and it's the, it. the tale of the, the lesson is like, it's like the person and, and that it's a sort of dark look at like, oh, people don't change, but sometimes they don't. Yeah. You want them to, and they haven't. 
And like, you can't expect, like, are, you can't be surprised when the person that was like that the whole time is still like that. Mm-hmm. I'll be surprised when the person changes. I'm not saying it's impossible, but like, you know, so when I want that, you're right thing, I'm, I don't know if it's worth opening up all these like wounds and stuff to get, what am I hoping to get out of it? I don't know. Yeah. It, I think if I found out like his, you know, someone in his family died, I would, I think I'd send a card with no expectation of ret- of a return, but you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, beyond that, I don't need to have a conversation with him. Uh, so funny about moving on right away. My brother was dating this girl for a long time uh, or like, you know, it was like a college relationship. So it was pretty much like the whole time he was in college. Yeah. And then he broke up with her and she like flipped her shit, flipped her shit. She was like, uh, we didn't have a relationship and she was like texting me and like, yeah, the that, whole thing. Bringing in the family is without getting rookie into details. Mistake, like, rookie mistake. Big problem. <laughs> big problem. It's clear where people's loyalties will lie. Yeah, uh, family, family, right. Family goes with family uh-huh. in a breakup. Like, you go to your corner, I go to mine. Don't expect my family to get on board with whatever it, uh, tactic you have. Like, that's yeah. one Some, thing I Everyone realized. forgot to tell my family that. Uh-huh. <laughs> they love my ex so much. Side. I remember my dad was even saying, he's like, Steve, you know, and if, if she needs to spend Christmas with us... And- uh-huh. I understand that too. And I was like, dad, you're supposed to be on my side. (laughs) You know, at first there were members of my family who were resistant and were like, but he's part of our family, you know, and, um, that hurt a little, but real quick they got on board. I mean, real quick, they were able to see what was happening and they were, that was a moment where I truly was like, this is the meaning of family. These people rallied around me when I felt like the worst person on earth, that I was bad and that they would shun me. I really thought, like, I thought I worried my own family would shun me for leaving my husband. Um, Oh. But they didn't. Of course they didn't. Duh. But But you grew up really conservative, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Not to the point where it was like, you know, there was no hellfire and damnation in my home. Sure. But there was definitely, like, a code and, uh, you know... um, just a an expectation of like you know goodness yeah you know oh it's right i um, think that around that time that's i think when eat pray love came out too a lot of people were mad that she left a perfectly good guy in the book to go like, be just with li- her best friend or just to go live life oh yeah but the, and then but she's got a the whole thing with that because she then left that guy that she met in Eat, Pray, oh, Love. The Javier Bardem character? For her best friend. Oh, yeah, and now she's Like, in the last, woman. like, year. Yeah, which, yeah, great. I mean, who knows? Yeah, yeah I, think, I, I never think read gonna... that book because I found out that she got the book deal before doing the journey. Oh, That's really? not true. Is it? I think it is. And no. it made me so mad that I was like, nah. I can't believe that's true. You mean, what'd she get the book deal based on? What was what did she sell? She told she said, I'm gonna I'm le- I left my she didn't leave the husband as part of a book deal, but I think she had left this is what I heard. <laughs> Pretty good I don't for know if career, this is true. So, so please correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but I think I read somewhere that, or heard somewhere that she um that she got divorced and then sold this book idea. And went on her journey, or maybe at least part of it, maybe hmm. was post, you know. 
That's that really made me not want to read sure it. I'm sure she had an inkling. I'm sure she had but an I had, inkling. But when I got divorced, I had so many people telling me to read. Oh my God, Sarah, you have to read that book. You have to read it. <laughs> like, this is your life. And I'm like, no, I don't want to read the book. And then I just felt like, no, I'm, I just was rebelling against what people were telling me to do. But um, but that's so, that was one thing when I got divorced. That people, it, it was almost as if I wanted a narrative that made more sense to people. I was like, I, like my, my sister jokingly at one point was like, do you think he's gay? Like maybe he's gay, you know? And it's like, instead well, of it just not being right, it just didn't work out, you know? Yeah. Like, but yeah, it was like, I didn't have, cause at the time in New York, there was no, there was no, no fault divorce. So you had to have a reason that was according to the law. So it had to be, um, for them to grant you a divorce, you had to prove adultery, um, what abuse or abandonment. And, um, you had to prove those things in court. And so the way that people would do the loophole was they would do this. There's a clause called constructive abandonment, which is when one person says that's he, my spouse refused to have sex with me for over a year. That's in the law. That's written in the thing. That's of grounds for divorce. And so everyone would just lie about that. They would just lie, you know, this is what happened. And it didn't matter who was plaintiff and who. That's how it worked. Um, in like 10 yeah. years ago in New York, you couldn't just be like, hey, this thing's not working Yeah, and out. literally like the week that our divorce got finalized, um, they changed the law to, to include no fault or like ir- irreconcilable differences. Like there are states that still don't have no fault divorce. You have to like lie. <laughs> that's crazy or someone had some people i think in other states like one they were like one way to do it is one person moves out literally leaves the person and then a year later you can get the divorce it's just like why make it so hard i mean i guess it's the old idea of like marriage is forever and this Stick is an institution that the government must protect that is just so absurd to me oof anyway uh you know i i have a question we have we listen we have mm-hmm. a lot of artists and people in the business who listen mm-hmm. to this and stuff too mm-hmm. and you mentioned before we started the podcast that <laughs> all the projects you've had they seem like a like a lifetime ago and yeah. stuff. um when you got your mtv show with nikki mm-hmm. that must have seemed like the biggest deal oh yeah one shot still the biggest deal <laughs> <laughs> that was it you know no um uh yeah what what's your question my question uh-huh. is uh what what did it feel like leading up to it and then how mm. did you feel when it when it went away okay so um leading up to it you know i was uh in a very low financial point um and felt like i had pushed everything to the edge you know it was just like all credit in. cards everything yeah, yeah yeah i'm super in debt like really just like oh my god i'm hanging my thread here this has to work and now i had been working in the business i had had a job blogging for jimmy fallon and before that i'd done some stuff the lifetime ago stuff like oh i had a web show with aol before <laughs> the term web show existed like <laughs> like you know I, I had some cool stuff that had happened but nothing like a TV show, like the your, actual goal. And with your like, name on it right, too. Right, right. Yeah. Um, in the TRL studio. Like, yeah. you know, just it like cool. in an iconic place and like meeting celebrities and all of the stuff that goes with it. I mean, it was just fucking awesome. It was like, um, it was interesting because like Scott and I went through like a rough period about a year ago and we talked about when was the happiest time in our relationship and it was during the MTV show. And we determined it wasn't because part of it was because so so many exciting things were happening and happiness was like, but it was also very hard and stressful. It was very 
like a minefield of mental games and things uh-huh. of like, you know, just dealing with MTV executives and the notes they would give us and like, you know, dealing with like being trying to, cause you know, I was like 35 hosting a show that mostly tweens watched, you know? So like what I would wear felt a little too young for me even uh-huh. then, you know, or whatever. Um, just like, what is this? Is it good? Is it a bad show? Is this stupid? Like, I mean, just, you have so many questions. But you're having such a great time along the way. But part of the reason Scott and I were so happy then was because, um, you know, for us, career is such a huge part of both of our identities. We both felt secure in our careers. And uh, he had his job and I had my job. And nobody was like, there wasn't an, there was a good balance Mm -hmm. in our work life. And And like, he knew like, when I got off work, he paid attention to me and just me. And then I was gone from work and gone at work and he did his thing. It was like we had good boundary. It was just like a nice flow. Yeah. And so we're like, oh, we just need to recreate that like kind of setting. And it really, we kind of did and it's been working really well. But like, but it was just such a, so there was all those like perks of it and like, just like, and money, you know, like they're like, oh, money doesn't buy happiness. And actually it does. It helps. To a certain point. (laughs) It Um, really helps. It really helps um, on the level of stress that you have. And like, um, and I learned so much. It was just like I could feel like, oh, I'm getting strong. Like when you're like, like when you know you're going through like a growth phase and you uh-huh. can just like feel all the lessons you're learning. And like, <laughs> this is good. It's like um, you've been working out a lot, like physically. Yeah, it's yeah. like you just feel like ripped. Like, yes, I it. did. I felt like, oh, I know how to produce. I know how to write. I know how to read a teleprompter. I know how to interview. I know how to be on my feet. It was just like everything was firing <laughs> off in every way. It was just like my brain was so happy with that because I love like m- being stimulated in all different ways. I don't like just doing one thing. And that hit everything and then and I remember, I was, you know I, I would no, listen to the podcast with you and Nikki and I remember uh, how you get, you kind of took that over to the show yeah and I remember watching and thinking that you guys were able to still make it your own while yeah. kind of catering to MTV as well yeah, and I was, thought that was pretty impressive yeah it was a real challenge and like you know I pitched a show last year that it's it's not dead yet but it, it's I don't know what's happening with it um <laughs> But I, in order to help pitch it, I made a reel of me like on camera, mm-hmm. and um, I used all. I watched the entire sh- MTV show again and used a bunch of footage, and I was like, "It's a good show." And I never <laughs> thought it was I a bad that. show, but it's just like it had been a while. I was like, "Uh huh." It was so great, and um, and when it got canceled, you know, um, and you did one season. We did two seasons in one year. So we. And did, how many episodes was that? It was twenty-five total. Cause we did like a bonus episode, but, um, and on top of that, we did a ton of stuff for MTV. So it was just like a lot of screen time. Um, a lot of experience just constantly shooting for one year. And, um, and we really like looking now the talk shows I've been on staff for writing for, um, I mean, now they give you six episodes, they give you 10 episodes. Like, I mean, they really don't give people a chance we thought we weren't really given a chance. We're like, this is nothing. You, you should let us go longer. We're really just starting to figure it out. We're hitting our stride. And then they canceled it. But now I'm like, oh, 25 episodes. That's enormous. That's uh-huh. so much in nowadays. But um, but when they canceled it, you know, part of me was relieved um, because it felt it, I didn't. MTV was just becoming such a stressful place to 
work for. Like they Uh were just changing the directive all the time. And I thought, well, what could I do now? Like, what could I do next? You know, Uh I started like looking beyond and like, that's something you have to be careful about because like you won't enjoy the amazing thing that's happening if you're like, what's next all the time. But, um, uh, no, it was really hard. It was like, I really crashed down after that, the year after that I like couldn't get an, I got a pilot, but it didn't get picked up. And, um, Nikki and I kind of decided to do our own thing, which I think was really a good choice. You know, she went on and had her show, which I ended up writing for. And, um, it was just, I was just trying to figure out what was next for me. And, um, I'm still, I finally hit my stride, I think, but like, you know, after you have your own show, you're like, I want that again, mm-hmm. you know, and not even me on camera. I just want to be creating a in whole charge. show in charge. I want to be the boss. I know <laughs> I did. A, I did a job in the past. I won't say which one because I, uh-huh. I did a job in the past two years. <laughs> Let's uh-huh. keep it vague where I, where I should have been the boss. Like I, I should have been running the whole thing. It was so obvious. And I was uh-huh. like, I have so much more experience than everyone in here and I could run this thing. And I was like really un, uh, overqualified for the position I was in. And it was just like, oh man, like it's so good to be in charge because you can yeah. do it your way and you can take the lessons you've learned and you can really see your creative vision through. And that's what I want. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, I'll write for shows. That's the thing. The fact that I'm like writing for shows as a backup now is like, I, I, that's amazing. That's for everyone's me. dream. That was my yeah. right before we got the talk show. All I wanted was to write for a talk show. Yeah, and so now I, I'm in that world, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is a really good place to be. And I'm and I do my stand up, and I I write, and then I pitch things, and if they go somewhere, great. If they don't, that's fine. Yeah. Mm. No, I understand the like frustration of like being a hired gun, though. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just like your vision for the show. Yeah. Whatever show it may be, it doesn't always line up with the person. Well, that- and it's not, it's even, for me, it's even beyond that because it's, it, it, like, it is so important to me to have an impact on the world in even my tiny way. Uh-huh. And I have, in this business, I have found the most impact I could have is by being in the position to hire people uh-huh. and give more diverse, uh, get, get a more diverse staff. Uh-huh. And, um, I've seen that's like the only, like, and all, now all this stuff with the Harvey Weinstein stuff and like trying to change the climate, like the more people that are in charge and it can be men and women, but the more people that are in charge that don't tolerate bullshit like that, um, where women or anybody are made to feel unsafe. Mm-hmm. Like I know I could do that if I was in a position of power, if I was, you know, running my own show, I could be like, okay, we are going to be a diverse staff. I'm not afraid of making that happen. It's not that hard. It will be a great show. And we're not going to let people inappropriately touch each other, you know? Mm -hmm. And, like, that to me is my hope because there are still assholes running around. They're very scared right now, but um, I'm sure. (laughs) But the predators are probably really scared right now (laughs) because the women are bucking up. (laughs) Do you think that's – is that true, Steve? Do you, like, feel like like maybe – men are just like scouring their brains for like is Uh, could this possibly happen oh yeah of course uh yeah and i you know i i've scoured my brain like i'm not i'm part of the problem and um i'm so grateful that uh women are talking about all these things with hashtag what was the first one 
Uh, Me too. Yes, there was yes all women. Yes yeah, all yeah, women. Yeah. That yeah. really opened my eyes to a lot of like bigger crimes. Like uh-huh. oh wow, or even the fact that that really helped me think about because up until that point, I know it sounds stupid, but be, I mean the women in my life had never spoken about these things. So up until that point, I hadn't have thought like oh yeah, every time they walked to their car, they worried about getting raped. That never occurred. Right. To me. I, I think most that conversation, like as much as I hate social media of what it's become, social media is also responsible for like m- even me evolving mm-hmm. in terms of white supremacy and like totally. I, 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 and I know like they're, they're different shit. and they're compounded for a lot of people, yeah. but for me, I understand the process of what men are going through where they're like, oh shit, I, this doesn't affect me, so I didn't know. And I've felt that with like stuff about racism, about how like, oh, and I wouldn't be surprised if someone, if I became really famous, I was just having a kind of a spat with my boyfriend about there's this thing happening online with David Cross and, and Charlene Yee. And, Charlene yeah. Yee. and you know, he's feeling, I, I'm just as frustrated as him of like, God, social media has become so toxic. Like we, it's, David Cross is now bad and Charlene Yee is good uh-huh. or there's other people who do the opposite but they go she's bad and he's good and it's uh-huh. like nobody's all good or bad you know whatever um but you know I was telling him I was like you know it's I wouldn't because I was saying look we don't know what happened I'm like mm-hmm. you know I have my idea of what might have happened I've met David Cross before I really shouldn't be saying that. <laughs> He was um, probably on cocaine. No, <laughs> I don't know anything about... I'm sure he's evolved as a human, but my first time meeting him was extremely disappointing. I will say that. He was extremely rude. Yeah. And I... So I was like, I'm not surprised. And you know what? Maybe he was doing it as a joke and she didn't get the joke. We can argue all day long about whether or not... You know, about a situation we weren't there for. And I was like, let's move away from that. My thing is, this is how it works now. You could be publicly shamed... And everybody make mistake makes mistakes, but how you react after that point determines everything. Yes. And I'm like, get a fucking ghostwriter for your apology. Like, <laughs> I'll issue a three paragraph non apology. Right. And it's like learn, and it's too late now. <laughs> it, someone has said something, so you can either. And my thing was like, look, I and I put myself again immediately put myself in his shoes and her shoes, and I went, okay. I've probably said things that I didn't even think in a million years would be racially insensitive or uh-huh. just rude. Or if someone was like, you were a huge bitch to me 20 years ago, 10 years ago in the UCB green room in New York. I think my first reaction would be like, well, I don't remember that. And just be absolutely crawling, my skin crawling out of my skin, so upset, so ashamed, so embarrassed. But I think publicly I would, I would have to just immediately go, I don't remember it. And that's a sign that, you know, maybe I was being flippantly insensitive. And that doesn't mean it didn't happen. And if it did, I wouldn't even say that if it did. Doesn't mean it didn't happen. And clearly I did something that hurt your feelings. And I feel bad and I'm sorry. If I made you feel that way, I'm sorry. Yeah. I wouldn't even put the word if in there. I'd just be like, clearly, if you're bringing it up now, I have done something that hurt you and I feel so bad and I'm so sorry. And this is a chance for me to learn. If he had said something like that. But that, what you just said, though, is a very mature and emotionally intelligent thing to say. Well. (laughs) Like even taking away the if thing, which is what he should have done. But that was a very emotionally intelligent thing to say. Well, I'm very emotionally intelligent. (laughs) I'm saying I am available for hire. You give me $5,000. 
$1,000 a pop. I will write your, you'll never have to do a second draft. Cause you notice they do their first apology and then they have to come up with the redraft. <laughs> you know, oh Maya Bialik just did this where she like issued her apology and then she issued the, the real one later. It's like, guys, hire me. I will get you out the gate right, right away with the proper. I mean, cause that's the thing. It's like, it's, you have to understand it's out of your hands now. And you know, maybe like for the Charlene need David Cross thing, would I have uh, publicly done that? Probably not. But I did. Could, she call him out. Yeah. Yeah, and she just randomly tweeted about it ten years later, and I'm like, uh, "Do we need to do that?" However, I, this is what I told. I got in her head, and I was like, "Cause Scott couldn't understand. He's like, why the hell would you? This is a a, a colleague in your in your business. Why wouldn't you do? And it's out of nowhere. It's not like he said that. You know, you're uh-huh. just bringing it up. And I'm like, she's like, why didn't she reach out to him privately? And I'm like. Honestly, she's probably been dealing with racism and sexism and bullshit in this business every step of the way, and she broke. And this is the person that she's holding up as the example, and she just told her truth, her story. Yeah, we're you applauding know. women all fucking week for right. being and like, me too, me I too. Do, I was like a little like, well, is that sexual? Like, how is that related to... I was trying to sure, understand, but sure. I was like, but, you know... I do want what I do understand is men in this business making you feel really bad about yourself, and there there could the, this underlying you're a dumb girl and you don't matter. Why are you here? Yeah. And um, so but that stuff is so subtle and the shades of gray in there are just endless. And so to me, you know, it's unfortunate. I don't think David Cross and. By the way, it's like everyone's always like up in arms, like, you're, but his career, you're ruining his career. His career is fine. It's yeah. not going to even feel it's one blip. Listen, gonna, he's going to yeah. film that next Chipmunks movie, no problem. Also, <laughs> also, by the way, just for the record, just and I don't know the details of all of them, but David Cross is someone who has gotten in public beef with other comedians many times before, right? We've yes. seen his argument is publicly writing on a reddit board like what it is he thinks about another comedian and their public beef so it's kind of like you know you kind of lose the moral high ground when you start saying she shouldn't have called him out because i feel like david cross has called out people before yeah publicly there is um, something though that all this brings up which is like how it's like in the harvey weinstein situation it's like really clear like some of that was like sexual assault that just yeah. like we need to take a hard line on there's a crime being committed yeah there's you know a, there's a legit but when i was talking about it with friends who are like very like smart and with it some it's like not everybody i don't know you also have to be gracious as a person who also makes mistakes even when you're like the victim in the situation of like yeah being great being kind of a little bit gracious with the person when you're caught, I don't know. I, that's well, very it nice. says a lot about you. I yeah. mean, it, it, your reaction says everything I need to know about you. Um, not every, and even the reaction, it can be imperfect. Like I, I'm trying to like allow people to be imperfect because we have now entered this world where we want perfection from every single person. Every react, every feminist has to be the perfect feminist. Every, every reaction has to be perfect. Every joke you make has to be not offensive to anyone. And I think, you know, we keep hearing people and I'm always on the side of like, well, 
you said a racist joke. So people are mad now. <laughs> and you are you can still say it, but people don't like it. And the line yeah. is moving and you need to be aware of the line. But I do think there is high, some level of hysteria Yes. on the other side of things where people just go bananas. And I mean, sent... Or like righteousness. Like you've never... Or how about not sending a rape threat to someone for not being feminist enough? Like that is... Bananas when I see a left a leftist progressive Is that person. happening? Yeah, it happens. I mean, it's when someone starts getting attacked for being like racist or whatever, they'll be like, I hope you die, bitch. And it's like, <laughs> are you on the side of progressiveness and being woke? Or, you know, it's like. Right. So I see it on both sides. And I mean, anyone who sends a threat like that online is not behaving correctly. I don't care what it's about. Mm-hmm. If you say die, bitch, to somebody online, you have, you've lost, you have failed, you are, you've lost the argument, you, you know, mm-hmm. nothing, no, the argument's gone, whatever it is you're standing up for is, it's out the window, because you, you shouldn't talk to people like that. Truth. Anyway. Totally truth. Um, Steve. Yeah. Got any questions? No, I mean, oh, uh, no, yeah, uh, yeah, oh, what I was saying, no, too, yeah, like, no, yeah, no, I forgot yeah. about that, I'm sorry, it's okay, <laughs> no. I mean, you know, I, I talk plenty in my life, I'm fine, uh, but yeah, ha- hashtag yes all women helped me to then think about maybe there are three or four instances in my life where I was like, oh, geez, that's kind of murky, I thought that that, that, that was a fine thing, but now I'm looking at it, and maybe mm-hmm. that girl was too drunk, that, this yeah. is what hashtag yes all women yeah, did yeah, for yeah. me, so I had like three or four instances in my life where I was like, sheesh. I feel terrible about that thing. Now, what hashtag me too has done for me is about 150 of those memories now piled on in my head where I've thought like, oh, geez, maybe every instance I've done that, every time I commented on a woman's looks, even if it wasn't bad, all these things, I don't know if they're all justified, but I, it's almost like the first time you do cocaine um, (laughs) and then you think back, I remember the first time I did cocaine and I, I thought of seven or eight times in my life and I was like, Oh, that's why that guy was acting weird. Yeah. Like you, you, after you do the yeah. cocaine, you're like, oh, that's why my uncle was acting that way in my seventh birthday party. Yeah. He was on <laughs> cocaine. Yeah. You just think of like, oh, whenever yeah. things were weird, mm-hmm. it was because of cocaine. And so I could then I thought of 15, 20 times where I was like, oh, whenever it was weird with that girl, maybe it was because I was being a monster or they were receiving it in a way. Or, I mean, the thing that's very hard for, I can't speak for all men, but we've been explicitly told, um, if we're talking about rape culture stuff, uh, we've been explicitly told, like, you need um, no means no. Mm-hmm. And now we're switching. And this is such a huge jump, if you think about it. Yeah. A huge jump from no means no to we need an explicit, enthusiastic yes. 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 Yeah. And, and I will say this, too. I, even yesterday in one of my other podcasts, uh, one of my friends said, you know, because somebody said, okay, then... It, we should ask permission before we kiss a girl, right? And then one of the girls who is a feminist and highly evolved was like, no, I don't like that. I think it's not romantic. So there's still this yeah, weird yeah. pull no. from like, dude, I want to be right, but I also want to be attractive to women. And if you're saying then this girl who I love and who's an attractive, funny woman is saying still like, no, don't ask me. It's still the most, the hugest yeah. jump and so still very confusing. Well, I think... Um Part of it is such a push for all these definitions and conversations to have because fundamentally women are not respected and as equals in our society on every level. And so until that gets better, 
these conversations have to like it has to get like it's almost like when people bring up the false rape accusations thing of course they happen sometimes mm-hmm. um but it's pretty i think it's pretty rare i mean like, like there's in comparison to tale, the amount that are the actually real ones. true yeah. right and so w- there's this believe women i believe you i believe you does that open up a, a chance for uh, some conniving woman to take advantage of the believe women movement and make up some shit for yes sh- mm-hmm. but I think that overall, that's like such an anomaly. It's like not leaving your house because it's just all that goes back to like victim blaming of like, you know, what are you going to do? Not leave the house so you don't get mugged? I mean, like, are you never going to have sex with a woman on the off chance that she <laughs> falsely accuses you of rape? Yeah. Like, that's not how it is. And I find often when I hear men talking about that the very real, legit fear of like, I don't want to hurt a woman. I don't want to be accused of anything. Um, I want to, it's confusing. The rules are changing, you know, whatever. I, sometimes I hear men, um, they sound like they think that women are really stupid and that like, we don't know the difference. Like, like I'm sure a lot of these incidents that you're worrying about, the girl knows the difference between like a guy who's being predatory and a guy who's just awkwardly like went to, you know, Oh, I, I miscalculated your interest in me. Like, Mm -hmm. I definitely know the difference when I'm interacting with a guy, like if he's a predator. I mean, well. And it's also not a crime (laughs) to make someone feel uncomfortable. But what the conversation is pushing is the awareness. Awareness, right. Which Don't assume and you're not entitled to. You know, I get compliments. I mean, the other day uh, I was at a job and um, like a friend of mine was like, ah, you're wearing my favorite jeans. (laughs) And then somebody went, you are fucking creep. And I was like, I actually love what he said because these are also like Scott says they're his favorite jeans on me. I must look really good. And so I don't, it didn't bother me because I also knew this person trusted him and I understand, I know he respects me. Yeah. So it's like, especially if you're interacting with a girl you've just met in a professional setting. (laughs) Don't fucking say it. Don't say stuff like that. (laughs) But if we're old friends, you know, and I've known you for a long time and and there's a mutual trust of, you know, saying, oh, you're wearing my favorite jeans. Like that didn't bother me at all. So it's like give women a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. And I think it's the awareness is more. We have to we have to kind of bring everything out in the open just so that you're understanding it's it's I've gone through something like that with like ignorant racist comments. Like I, I agree. Yeah. Like, like where I'm like, Oh, that's a microaggression. Like, yeah. I mean, even like cut back to 10 years ago, I didn't, or I mean, probably I knew this before inherently cause I just don't touch people, but like <laughs> touching black people's hair is a thing, you know? And I'm like, yes. people do that. And it's like, Oh no, they do. And like, I'm like, okay, definitely don't do that. And like, you know, and it's not because I'm afraid of being called a racist. It's because I truly want to respect mm-hmm. and get the get the repercussions of it. It's just an awareness that takes over you that then suddenly you're a better person. Yeah. No, it's and great. you're more respectful. You it's know? totally great. Like I think people don't identify with, or, or like the people that are like, you know, I. I, that doesn't apply. I'm not that kind of a guy or whatever. Or like, I'm, I'm not that way towards uh, people of color are people that aren't acknowledging the, the coded, all the little coded yeah, shit. Yeah. And that's the important shit. I mean, yes, it's important to take a really hard line on the serious stuff. But what's going to make things like exponentially better is everyone being like, 
a little more aware of like all the language that they use and all the like, like Steve, you've mentioned body language when you're dating someone like just be having an extra awareness of that is like everything. And with a lot of these, uh, these instances too, Julia, my girlfriend brought up a good point. She said a lot of times women just want you to apologize and acknowledge that a weird thing happened Uh and that it's not going to happen again. And stop. And yeah, not get and it's not going to happen again. Yeah, yeah. And um, and that's, I mean, guys need to understand that too. There's so many guys who get defense, we get weird. Hey, man, just say you're sorry, mean it, and don't let it happen again. I had a um, a male comedian um, apologize to me. I mean, it must have been like seven years after the fact for like doing something a little inappropriate, and um, I didn't even remember it. I mean, it definitely at the time annoyed me. I was like, God, stop it. I don't want to say what it is because like, I don't want to in any, because I think this is something he did a lot to people. <laughs> what? No. I don't want to, I'll tell you after. I don't want to out him because he really, he came up to me and he said, I've been, you know, working on myself and for years I've been thinking like that was a really bad thing and I'm sorry. And I was just stupid. I thought it was like a friend thing, but like you're a woman and it's like inappropriate and da da da. And I was like, okay. And, you know, I thought during this whole Harvey Weinstein thing, like, I was like, I could see a bunch of women coming together and being like, this guy did this thing (laughs) Uh and we hate him, you know? And it's like, but he went around, he evolved, people evolve and like he went around and apologized for it. And it's like, I can't, you know, fault you. Like, I'm not mad anymore. Like, we're good. And like, it never went beyond that. And Uh I don't think you're a bad person. And like, you're, you're like really harming people like i mean who knows but like you know i think like that's a really good point of just like sort of owning it and being like hey i thought about that and uh now does that mean you should be calling every woman you've ever like interacted no. with and being like just in case uh, you know <laughs> don't, no. don't do the just in case apology but, no but apologize <laughs> if there's something like for like real you too. know yeah yeah yeah. Um, and and ultimately, we got, it's important to remember that the 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 fund the, this change that we want to happen is been ingrained with us since the beginning of mankind. This is a yeah. huge leap that we're asking for, and it's going to take some mm-hmm. time. It's going to take a lot of work. But yeah, I was even thinking a lot of what this stuff did for me. Hashtag me too is where I've I I don't I never I don't I don't think I've ever thought of myself as a good guy like that. And I'm not and I'm not just saying that. Um, but it really is like I do feel like the good slave owner. Like, where, <laughs> remember on Seven Years of Slave, yeah. there was a good one who, yeah. like, bought the instrument and mm-hmm. stuff. And you're like, this guy seems pretty good. Yeah. But it's just like, Steve. but, I mean, <laughs> I just mean that I've taken advantage of this fundamentally, this system that has been set well, up in a way. Well, you couldn't help it. I didn't know. And yeah. I couldn't help it. I didn't know. You, you were unaware. That's and, what a lot of, the, yeah, a lot of yeah. women keep saying, like, oh, they knew. Yes, I, I think for Harvey Weinstein stuff, yes. But you've got to understand, fundamentally, I didn't understand it. I didn't oh, yeah. know. I couldn't imagine a life not like that. Mm-hmm. So just like Well, the I think wife- a lot of women are realizing, like when the catcalling thing happened, like with the video and like that conversation really started up, the yes, all women thing, um, I really was finally given the language to explain how I'd felt my whole life. Uh-huh. And I'd never, I just had accepted it. And that I thought I was a huge cunt. And I was the only one. I thought that when I walked down the street and a guy would smile, sweetie, or whatever, um, I thought the rage that erupted in me, I was just like, just like, and I would just, 
it would just make my body freeze. Like the anger I would feel anytime someone would do something like that. I thought, God, Sarah, you are such a bitch. Let it, he's being nice. And then I'd be beating myself up the whole subway ride. I'd be like, just, he's an old man. Just let him go. You know, uh, like, yeah. and then like, but then, then everyone's coming out and saying, I feel the same exact physical reaction when that happens to me. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> like this. And you just come to accept it. And then finally, when a bunch of women are saying, no, this is like, there's a, there's a reason you feel that way. And it's, they really lay out the like, well, it's because men feel entitled to women's bodies and your space. And they think, you it's know, it's a power move. It's yeah. a power move. It's a claiming your ownership over you just for a tiny second. It's the definition of microaggression. It's all these, and I was like, oh, like it just this feeling of like, not that, you know, uh, I expect everything to change overnight and I'm not like riding in the street over something tiny. But you're not crazy. But I'm not crazy. And I didn't make it up. And it's like, and now I can explain it to someone. And it is the systemic thing that we need to change, yeah. like, together. Yeah. So. We solved it. We fixed it, guys. <laughs> All in one podcast. Wow. <laughs> oh, I feel so good. <laughs> Where can people find you? Um, Sarah Schaefer 1. Uh, you can just, even if you misspell Did Sarah Did some Sh- other Sarah Schaefer no, bitch have the so handle? No, it's so stupid. When I actually joined Twitter very early on. But I used my AOL screen name because it was overlapping a time where people still used AOL screen. Oh, that's cool. AOL chat. <laughs> um, and so I was like, oh, I'll just stick across the board. This stupid Twitter thing. I'm just making an account. I don't know. <laughs> and then years later, I realized I could have gotten Sarah Schaefer for a while because the person who has Sarah Schaefer uh, like joined several years later. I just never, it never occurred to me to get it. And then Twitter blew up and it was too late. But um, there's lots of Sarah Schaefer's out there. I'm not the only one. But she is number one. I am number one. (laughs) I am the first Google result. And you have uh, (laughs) shows coming up on the road a little? Uh, I have, um, if you're in the New York area, I'm at Union Hall on November 8th. And if you happen to live in, um, around Notre Dame, I will hmm. be doing Notre Dame. I think it's open to the public. We have like two listeners. On November no. 9th. <laughs> um, thanks, two listeners. Hopefully you're not any of the people I spoke <laughs> ill of during this podcast. Thank you so yes. much for coming on. Thanks this for having me. What a great conversation. Yeah. Bye, guys. Hey, guys. You've heard us read ads for brands like BarkBox, HelloFresh, Astroglide, Audible, all amazing companies that we truly believe in. These ads are great because they keep the show free and they introduce listeners like you to new products that we know you'll love. It's a win for everybody. And we're happy to have the help and expertise of Midroll Media to ensure that this show continues to have great advertisers. If you're interested in advertising on our show, and who the heck wouldn't be, go to <laughs> midroll.com reality and click contact to let them know that you're interested. They also represent other great shows like Yo! Is This Racist, Two Dope Queens, WTF, so you know you can reach an array of engaged listeners. So hit them up at Midroll. That's M-I-D-R-O-L-L dot com slash reality. And we'll be reading your ad just like this. Slow, sensual, moving product.